lesson is uh, from the Gospel of Luke, printed here for you in this liturgy. <clears throat> he entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there named, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. And all who saw it began to grumble and said, He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. This is the word of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks be to God. Oh God, there's an awful lot of seeing that's going on in this account of Zacchaeus this morning. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus sees Zacchaeus. The crowds see. Lord, it reminds us to always ask you to give us eyes to see the world, ourselves, and you through the eyes of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last week, we also had a tax collector, right? If you were here or maybe you were looking online. And by the way, I didn't greet you Zoomers this morning, earlier, earlier during the greeting. We're grateful that you've joined us in that way this morning. Uh, but if you were on Zoom or if you were here last week, you might remember there was a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And a little bit of historical background, we talked about how tax collectors um, were really not welcome uh, members of the religious community, so to speak. They had collaborated with the Romans. They had bought districts uh, so that they could levy the taxes. And then many, many times they had found ways to uh, charge more than was right and fair so they could skim off the top, keep that money. Tax collectors were not welcome in religious society, right? They weren't welcome among the people who regarded themselves to be like the gatekeepers of the religious community. But as we mentioned last week in that parable, the tax collector ends up being the one who is honored, being the one who is celebrated. The tax collector is the one who tells the truth in his prayer of confession and cry for mercy. He's the one that tells the truth about who God is and how God is. And the Pharisee, the religious official... He's the one that doesn't tell the truth 
about how God is and who God is. But this morning we have another tax collector. And this tax collector, we have the name of this tax collector. He's a guy named Zacchaeus. And he's not only a tax collector, he's like the head tax collector, which basically means, we think, that he had many tax collectors that worked under him. So he's not only over one you know, taxable district or something, he's over several different ones over the junior tax collectors. And Luke tells us that because of his stature, he's rich. Luke just says it, right? He is rich. Zacchaeus knows something about Jesus. And what he knows makes him want to see him, want to see what he's about. Now, the thing that we can kind of glide through this and miss some nuances, but you know, one of the nuances that we don't want to miss is that it was a gutsy move for Zacchaeus to go out among the people, among the crowd, to try to get that look at Jesus and see who he was, see what he was about. That's because Zacchaeus was not welcome there. Those who, who really study the original language um, it's funny you mentioned that this morning, Anna. Twice we're going to go there this morning, and we're going to draw from people who are really smart, study this stuff all the time. But people who study the nuances in the original language point out that the visual here is of Zacchaeus trying to find some space to get a glimpse of Jesus, but there's a, the way the, the grammar works uh, the crowd is portrayed as deliberately not making room for Zacchaeus. They do not want to make room for him. They keep him pushed back. And apparently he's short, and that makes it even more complicated. In the crowd's view, Zacchaeus is an unwelcome guest to the Jesus parade. So what does Zacchaeus do? Well, it's right there in front of you. Zacchaeus climbs a tree. Okay, can we just stop for a minute? <laughs> that is really unusual, right? I mean, here's Zacchaeus, the, maybe the richest person in town, and he wants to see Jesus so badly that this grown man walks over to a tree, finds that lowest branch, or maybe he... Maybe he pulls out like a coin and says to this person, I know you don't like me. Give me a leg up so I can reach that branch because I'm climbing up this tree and I'm going to see Jesus. He does all of this in spite of the fact that there are eyes rolling. There are people snickering. There are people murmuring. And there are probably people saying, saw that tree down. That guy, out. wait a minute, sauce? Did they have sauce? I think that maybe, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> All right, I, I should major in history. Yeah, I think they could have gotten rid of the tree if they wanted to. Um, but <laughs> um, 
So here Zacchaeus is. He's looking for Jesus. But once Jesus comes along, within Zacchaeus' sight, it becomes more importantly a story of Jesus seeing Zacchaeus. Seeing him. Seen. To be seen. By Jesus. Through Jesus' eyes. That's the only way. According to the gospel. That we will ever understand. Who we are. Not because we see Jesus so much. Although that's important. But more importantly, that Jesus sees us. Well, Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and he calls him by name. Don't ask me, please, how he knows his name. (laughs) Maybe he was just that rich to be just that famous. I don't know. Maybe Jesus leaned over and said, what's that guy's name up in the tree? And somebody said, Zacchaeus, he shouldn't be here. And Jesus says... Zacchaeus, so many words, he says, I need you to come down from this tree because I need you to host me and my ragtag group of disciples tonight in your home. Okay, stop again for a second. That's weird too, okay? I mean, all of this stuff, right? Luke tells a story as a way to like draw you into the shock of all of this, Okay? Jesus says, I'm coming over tonight. And sort of the implication in that is like, they're not going down to Burger King to get takeout and then go over to Zacchaeus' house. He's saying to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you're going to host a party tonight. It's one of those parties that everybody's going to complain about because everyone always complains about my parties because my parties, wherever they are, have the wrong people in them. You're going to host this party. You're a wrong person too, but you're going to host this party tonight. I'm coming, and it's going to be awesome. And by the way, get the guest beds ready. We're spending the night. The crowd does not like that. They don't like it at all. They grumble. It's never a good thing when God's people grumble, right? There's plenty of grumbling that goes on in in the scriptures. Plenty of grumbling that goes on in our lives, by the way, too. Never a good thing, though. The famous, of course, example is, you know, God frees the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. They get out, and God gives them graciously manna every day, and then they, what? Grumble because they get tired of the manna, okay? These are the kind of people we are. We're frail, we're fragile, we grumble. If we would have been there, we would have probably been in that crowd, we would have probably been grumbling too. Zacchaeus takes that moment to say something important about himself. Basically what he's saying is to Jesus, but could be overheard, right? I'm not who people think I am. Really not. I give half of what I have to the poor. 
And if I'm involved in a business deal where someone has been shown dishonesty, I make it up to them fourfold. Now, if you're reading the NRSV, which is in your liturgy, it's future tense, isn't it? I will do this. I will do that. All right. I'm going to do what my seminary professor did, who was about 40 years old at the time. And every time he said something to us that he thought might be the first time we ever heard something like that, or might be a you know, really fine nuance, he would always preface it by saying, okay, I'm going to tell you something. Just so you know, I checked with the scholars. <laughs> We're like thinking, well, wait a minute, you're a scholar too. But what he was saying is, I checked with the community of scholars. What I'm saying, maybe the first time you've heard it, maybe very nuanced, may surprise you, but this is the consensus. The consensus is, and check it for yourself if you want to. That's what the internet is for, <laughs> or maybe should be for. It's for a lot of other things, too, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, check it out yourself. These are present tense. Literally how it reads, Zacchaeus is saying, I am giving, which is kind of like awkward way to translate it into English. So I give. The King James Version actually has it right. Um, Zacchaeus stood, said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Well, in any event, this is a moment where we want to step back and take a look a little more carefully and rely on scholarship because the verb tense makes a big difference here. It's a really big difference. Because reading it the way it was originally written makes this a story about the vindication of Zacchaeus, about the vindication of one who lived on the margins, while at the same time offers to the original audience and also to us a twofold cautionary reminder. First, God is the one in charge of welcoming people into the worshiping community, not us. Secondly, they're faithful people on the margins whose practice of radical generosity and honest dealings indicate that God is at work in them. They should be celebrated and welcomed and imitated, not pushed away over caricatures and prejudice that cause us to see them permanently as the other. Okay, well and good, you may be saying, but do you wonder as you read this, though, as I do, about whether Zacchaeus' generosity is why Jesus was so comfortable honoring him? Was it because he was already doing these things? Or Zacchaeus' good deeds the reason why Jesus honors him? Well, that might be an important question. I kind of think that the reason why people like me ask that question maybe isn't like <laughs> for the best reason, but I do think it's a question that's on our minds as we read this, right? Well, I would suggest that the answer to that question, does Zacchaeus' uh, generous and honest life 
the reason why Jesus honors him or not. And, of course, I'm going to say, yes, it is, and no, it isn't. <laughs> okay? And that is what we find so many times in Scripture. Yes and no, and it's important to understand why it's complicated. Okay? In Luke's Gospel, this is where it's good to draw back that wide-angle view again. In Luke's gospel, Luke wants us to recognize certain patterns of living as being consistent with God's kingdom and other patterns of living as being opposed to or fundamentally inconsistent with God's kingdom. Radical generosity is upheld as how God's people are to be with each other and even their enemies. Radical generosity. The opposite, which is shown in characters like the rich man and the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, for instance, these are people who oppose the life-giving patterns of God's kingdom. And in so doing, oppose their own human flourishing and the human flourishing of the community. So yes, Jesus wants to celebrate Zacchaeus' generosity. And he does this by saying, in so many words, this is how the children of Abraham should be living. I wonder sometimes if the, you know, this is be like, well, ask even more scholars, which I will when I get a chance. But is it, maybe the NRSV translate this the way that it does because we want to see a conversion story? want to see Zacchaeus suddenly looking at the crowd, feeling bad about himself, confessing and saying, I'll do better in the future, making promises. I think maybe we want to see a conversion story there. Maybe that's why the NRSV is more comfortable in rendering it that way. But it's not that way. It's Jesus recognizing in Zacchaeus pattern of behavior that should be consistent with all children of Abraham. And so in one sense, it is a conversion story. But the people that need to be converted are the people that are grumbling. <laughs> the people that are looking at Zacchaeus and saying, you don't belong here. And we don't think it's a good idea for Jesus to have a party in your house tonight. You're the wrong kind of person. They're the people that need to be converted Apparently, Zacchaeus already has been. The no answer is equally important. What was the question? <laughs> the question was, does God accept Zacchaeus because of Zacchaeus' life of generosity and obedience? So here's the no answer. Equally important. When Jesus says that today... Salvation has come unto this house. He is clearly talking about God's work, okay? Which is pictured in Luke's gospel and its sequel, the book of Acts, as the Almighty One, the creator of the universe, coming to reclaim the fallen human race as one people beginning with Israel, the children of Abraham, 
and then spreading out from there to the uttermost ends of the earth. The generosity that inhabits Zacchaeus, that inhabits him, it was not created by Zacchaeus. And it does not endear Zacchaeus to God. The generosity is God's generosity that God bestows. Zacchaeus received and passes along to others. And God celebrates all of that for God's glory. On that day, when Zacchaeus went to see Jesus, but more importantly, was seen by Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.